There's a new battle mechanic on route for Street Fighter V, but we currently have no idea what it is. Catalyst and I speculate on this likely game changer, and then get into the results of this weekend's Capcom Pro Tour Online North America, including the bit of controversy surrounding punk and lag. We also discuss the reveal of Master Roshi for Dragon Ball Fighters, and talk about our personal experiences playing in a major online event, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going? I guess we should just jump right into it here, because uh, I've been looking at the uh, the horizon for Street Fighter V, and there seems to be something of a new kind of charisma behind it and momentum. I know a lot of the people here in Arizona are starting to play more often and uh, are kind of getting back into it. And it sounds as though that there's momentum building around, um, you know, on social media, the way that people are talking about it, posting their content and whatnot, as we'll get to. Uh, we just bit. need to, to clarify that's a PC version of Street oh. Fighter V that they're playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You don't want to do the politically incorrect version of the game is bad, but the uh, PC version is very good. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then we also had a very exciting Capcom Pro Tour event over the weekend, which we'll get into a little bit uh, from now. But the reason why this was all sort of drummed up was because Capcom came out with this big announcement of Season 5, and a lot of the content that's coming, we know four of the five characters that are on route, and uh, and that the game's going to get some balance patches. But amid all of that information, we also found out, and it was kind of just tucked away on the graphic, but there's a new battle mechanic on the way. So the right. the gameplay is going to, well, potentially significantly change once again. And we've seen this already implemented a few times with Street Fighter V because they put in, um, was it for Arcade Edition, they added in secondary V-triggers. We more recently got new V-skills with, um, with Champion Edition. And that has has, of course, affected different characters to varying degrees, but it has changed the game. It gives developers a new opportunity to tweak the balance along with actually, you know, messing with frame data of individual moves and such. But it gives things a fresh flavor um, and, and creates new opportunities, which is a really good thing because it looks as though we're going to be playing some Street Fighter V competitively for at least another uh, two years, maybe. Uh, with the way this uh, timeline is set in front of us. So I wanted to speculate a little bit about what exactly this new battle mechanic might be um, and what would make sense given where the game is at, maybe looking over history a bit and seeing what has been done in similar avenues before. And you know, just trying to do a little bit of speculation while we wait um, because this is supposed to roll out close to when Dan rolls out, which is... Um, Winter 2020. Winter 2020, yeah. yeah. So, th- so yeah, later in like the yeah, end of this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again, it's in 2020, like flat out. Uh, that means that it's got to be here before December 31st. And that means like we're going to actually have this new battle mechanic before Capcom Cup happens because Capcom Cup is actually next year, very early next year, right. uh, probably in the springtime is what it's looking like. I-, I-, I will think that Capcom might option select that a little bit depending on how things are looking. I think that's a possibility, but right now that's what they've said. Yeah. So, I mean, more stuff and movement is on the horizon. And I think that directly factors into the way people are seeming to get a little bit more excited than perhaps they have been for Street Fighter in recent times. So looking at it, well, we got double V skills. I should say we have two V skills for every character. We have two V triggers. Um, If they were to continue to go in that vein, you might consider... Uh, a second critical art or a second V reversal. That's kind of the first and easiest place that my mind goes. 
but neither one of those are very exciting. I don't know. What's your reaction when you hear if, if either of those were announced, what would you think? I, man, right. I, at this it's kind point, of whatever. Yeah, there you go. That, that's a great, that's a great, perfect reaction. I, it's like, I'm somewhere in the middle on it. Right. Yeah. And so there, there is potential there. Like maybe if people got secondary critical arts, that would be cool. Some of them would be useful. Some of them would totally not be. And maybe it's a difference maker for certain characters. You know, when it's when it's that kind of a change, it might be good for the lower tier characters because maybe it's a tool that they didn't have before. You certainly don't really want to buff and give Akuma a better option for critical art if that was somehow possible for what he has. Um, but I John, really... that would never happen. Like they give Rufus a second ultra that <laughs> was dominating the damn game against projectile characters. Capcom doesn't do that. Do you remember anyway, Brainless? Yeah from from Abel. Oh, for those Abel. of you that didn't live through the Street Fighter 4 years, Abel had uh, so his well, I don't remember it was soulless and um, something else breathless I believe breathless yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. But we renamed Vitra or I'm sorry, Ultra 2 that they gave him in the uh, super update I believe. We renamed it Brainless because what it would do is he would be able to charge it up and release it at any point. Um, but he would go into this crouching position. I believe he had armor, and he could just sit there. And so if you were at a certain distance from him, oh, and then it was just a running command grab. It was extremely quick. Yeah. He would just zip across the screen, and if you were in his way, he would command grab you and do this full ultra to you. So he could just hold it, and then you might try to jump, and he would just wait for you to come back down and then do it. Uh, if you threw a fireball, he could just react with it, and it would go through fireball. It was so stupid, and uh, and it was, of course, nerfed later on. But, man, Brainless was, uh, was no gnarly i'm still having yeah, ptsd think of, from that think of a zangief uh 720 ultra and make it even better because it runs at you and it has a hit of armor and you can cancel it like but you almost saw, oh, never saw people it cancel too. it because it yeah. recovered so fast yeah yeah Ugh. God, good times good times yeah so good anyways. times so, so <laughs> look forward to that if that happens in street fighter 5 because now you get to relive that occasion but we hope that doesn't happen that's what we're you know that's what we're here for right. we're gonna try to steer them in a better direction we hope <laughs> so that takes me over to v reversals and adding a secondary re reversal which is something that people have talked about for quite some time and the reason why is because one v reversals are kind of meh right now and uh, you know it, it, adding a second one i think there was initially um, talks of plans that every character would have two uh, but that obviously never came to any kind of fruition. Um, and the game has traditionally been viewed as overly offensive, right? And so to add more defensive options into the mix would be really nice, especially for those that are that are uh, really suffering from that. But this also isn't a very fireworksy, showy kind of thing. It's like new V reversals, we would go, yeah, that's kind of cool. The people that are already on board, that are already in the store, would go, well, that could, there, there's some potential there, but it's not something that you put out in the front and like grand reopening, you know, under new management, the reason to come into the store for those that are window shopping. And I don't know exactly what Capcom's goals are with this, if they're trying to continue to get new people or if they're just trying to make the people that are here happy and continue to play the game. Um, but I don't think the... We've we've speculated a good bit that it's probably more the latter than it is the former, where they're just kind of trying to keep people around. At this point in time, you're not going to get a lot of new people in the door with, with Street Fighter V. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it is it's what it is Yeah, it's four and a half point. years old, a little more yeah. than that now, right? And so... Um, yeah, you're probably right. Or I guess we're probably right since we talked about it before. But uh, so, so a second V reversal would be cool. But even for those of us that are that are on the uh, metaphorical inside of the metaphorical store already, 
it would also kind of just be like, ah, well, okay. But when you feel the potential of reading a new battle mechanic coming, I don't think this really lives up to that that potential hype that we're all feeling. But what do you think about the the, the possibility for new V reversals? I, it, I'm in the same kind of category as you. I think that it makes some sense for a handful of characters. I know as like a Monot player, I'd be jumping for joy, but it's not moving the needle for me. But I can actually hear this in your voice. It sounds like you have a needle mover that you're you're getting into. <laughs> what What is it? Like hit, hit our listeners with it, John. I okay. know you got it. Yeah. So actually, Dream King did a story on this uh, a few days ago now, but he speculated about this a bit too. And after reading through it, I my mind didn't go here to begin with. But as I read through... I was like, you know, this actually does make a lot of sense. And one of the things that we did see again in Street Fighter 4 was the ultra combo double. And what that was was that you could actually choose both or to have access to both of your ultra combos simultaneously at the cost of, I think they only did like 70% of their full damage, um, even when fully stocked. So you lost some of the damage, but you got a little more utility. And for some characters like Rufus, who would get into his ultra one from virtually any move, but then also his Ultra 2 was really good for in you know fireball matchups. That could be a really useful um, tool to have both or the threat of both. And so it's like, well, what does that look like in a Street Fighter 5? Well, you start to get into the realm of maybe a V-trigger double or a V-skill double. Don't freak out. I know we'll start with V-trigger double. It's not that likely. When you think about the mechanics of it and, and if it could actually come to some kind of a fruition it gets pretty murky pretty quickly in terms of like how would they actually make this work and uh so i'm i'm not so sold on v trigger double uh it's probably not going to be a thing v skill double sounds like it's got a lot of potential Hmm. did you want to say anything about v trigger double though because i that that i know people are going to have reactions to that and so if you had anything go for it but yeah that that's half of the players who came back to street fighter 5 saying now i have to deal with double v triggers thank you capcom that's exactly what i wanted and (laughs) and, uh, you could just piss in my cereal next and yeah Um, but anyway and warm uh, it up first put it in the microwave shout outs to uh (laughs) what's his name Oh, uh, Apology Man. Apology Man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the, the skit that uh, uh, GC Yoshi did for him and stuff. And it, it was like, what? You put you put uh, uh, milk in your bowl first? You're not even human. Right. You don't got anything out of you. You're less than like it just it's, oh, it was great. But um, I, yeah, so one of the first things that, that my mind went to is like, how do you even activate that? And what Dream King did mention is like, you know, red focus, like you'd hit three mm-hmm. buttons instead A of third two. button. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but actually where my mind immediately goes on that it, with, with double V triggers would be how do you deal with two bar versus three bar mm-hmm. V triggers at that point? Because universally in, in uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4, you know, you just you get your ultra meter filled up and you can use it. So how would you handle that? Yeah, and I, and I don't know. And there are other okay. problems, too. Like, uh, some characters this would be ridiculously powerful for. Some characters probably, like, like think about Nikali. His V-triggers are actually kind of the same thing, with the exception of one move that he gets access to in one or the other. So, sure, I mean, actually, it'd be pretty easy, but would you want to... And then how would you nerf it? Is it just the damage of these one moves? Guess what? He hardly ever uses those moves for his V-trigger. He uses, you know, his just actual damage output and speed boost and such so uh so yeah nikali's uh it it doesn't make a ton of sense there Um, and then 
if you were to do this, then you kind of need to nerf something about them, right? And so for in the example we gave with Ultras in Street Fighter 4, you would do less damage. Well, Mm -hmm. okay, then I can see how that might be. Actually, when I think about my issues with, like, say, G's V-Trigger, less damage or stun output, that would be actually really good. That's kind of just what I would want to see uh, to, to, you know, change that V-Trigger in a way that doesn't change the character but does, like, lessen its impact because I feel like it's too strong. So that would actually be kind of cool. But then you go to, like, a character like Vega and you say, well, he throws a rose and it's like, how do you nerf the damage about that? And, like, so it's really hard to see how you would apply this, um, this you know, overarching nerf or, or uh, alteration to everyone's stuff because it's all so different that you, it's not as simple as just t- saying, you know, less damage on your V-Trigger, like that you run into a lot of issues really quickly. Yeah, command overlaps and other things. And then the two bar versus a three bar thing, like one way I could see getting around it off the top of my head would be, you know, you can activate at two bars or three bars and um, maybe you make the two bar V trigger a little bit more powerful that way or you get full damage on it instead of like cutting the damage in half as they usually do with, you know, um, with uh, the double ultras or, you know, double V triggers and stuff. But there's a lot of kind of inherent problems I don't know if Capcom can work around Mm -hmm. this late in a game's lifespan. Like, I mean, they don't even have the DLC characters ready to go. So it's, it's, I I personally lean more towards like a double critical art or like new critical arts, I should say. Uh, I think those can be kind of one-off moves that work well for the the characters. But again, it, it doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah. So, but then the other thing could be the skill double. And I haven't gone through this with, excuse me, with the finest tooth comb to make sure that it checks out, but it seems at least at surface level that it would check out a lot more easily than V trigger double. The reason for this is, well, as far as inputs go, maybe instead of the, you know, V skill one would just be the traditional uh, input. And then V skill two could be uh, with a light punch on there. So it'd be light punch, medium punch, and medium kick, similar to the way they updated focus to do red focus in Ultra Street Fighter 4, right? Um, and it's actually even the same inputs for those two mechanics. So I, I think that kind of takes care of itself. If you want to do V trigger 2, you just press those three buttons. Or I'm sorry, V skill 2, you just press those three buttons. And this would be potentially pretty interesting because uh, it's not, you know, V skills are not as big of a move that, that impacts so much of the game. Um, and it's much more strategic where V triggers are kind of an exclamation point at the end of the round. V skills really play into the journey part of the round a lot more significantly. And for some characters, the the way that this could potentially open up the way they're able to build toward V trigger might be really cool as, and of course also it adds some utility to their gameplay um, as well. I mean, all these moves are already in there. It doesn't seem like this would take uh, so much, you know, redesign. It might even be easier than designing a new critical art for everyone because you have to design a full new, you know, super combo for everybody in that route. In this route, you're just kind of putting everything in together, and then maybe the uh, the V, the what the gauge built from successfully landing your V skills is lessened, something along those lines. But like, I can already see the parts coming together in a similar way that we've seen them come together from. Street Fighter's past with this particular change. Yeah, I think it would be very hit or miss. Like, my mind immediately goes to Monat, and I'd say I'd probably be all over that with her. It's it's nice to have the utility for both moves. Uh, but again, you, you have to look at the drawbacks of it. Of, okay, now I'm getting less V-gauge every single time I, I successfully perform this. So mm-hmm. in some matchups, do I actually just want to go, like, one consistent route? Or how do I want to do this, right? And 
it's intriguing. It, it's it, I really like it because it seems like a mechanic that Capcom could add that wouldn't be too crazy to add into the mix. Like it's easily balanced. And I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to say anything is easily balanced in fighting games because Capcom is literally going to beat down my door and kill me for that. <laughs> but um, it, on the surface, it looks like it has some good merit to it. And so that would be where my mind would go outside of extra critical arts for everyone. Do you think it's more likely or less likely than an extra critical art? I think at this late in the in Street Fighter V's lifespan, I think that Capcom is going to go the easiest way possible. And I think that balancing two V skills in some cases could be really problematic for them uh, and maybe make characters way more powerful than they want to versus in a vacuum, you're just giving a character another move. Uh, they may not even need that, you know, um, that critical art to function very well. Uh, I know with a handful of characters, they got new V skills and it was like, what is this? Like, what does it do? Uh, and Capcom's like, I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. like, if we, and I, they can kind of do the same thing with the critical arts. Like if you already have a really useful one, you know, here's, here's another one uh, that you can mess with and have fun with, but maybe is not going to change anything about your tournament or like high level performance. And that's more the route I can see them taking right here just because V skill, double V skill really could open Pandora's box in some ways for some <laughs> characters not all but but a few characters like maybe like Cody might you know where he's not getting a lot of damage off his V skills but the utility that it gives him maybe that makes him way more powerful than Capcom intends mm -hmm. yeah it's, uh, certainly a lot of uh, potential holes in the road when you're talking about this kind of stuff but uh, it's interesting that you bring up Pandora's box because the final sort of potential mechanic that we might see added in, or at least that was uh, speculated by Steven, was the uh, the role that we saw. Well, it was in Ultra Street Fighter 4, but even before that, and I think perhaps inspired uh, from Street Fighter Cross Tekken. And this is an mm -hmm. additional wake-up option where you're able to actually roll out of pressure. Um, it would, of course, have its own drawbacks and ways to be countered, but one more um, ability in your wake-up game does technically buff defense now i said earlier that street fighter 5 has been under fire for a long time for not having as much uh, balance in the turn in the way of rushdown versus defense not having enough defensive options and for having rushdown just be the the king that, that kind of rules everything that's changed in some fairly significant ways it may not be that the scales are perfectly balanced but uh, i would also like to point out that i don't think we're at the point uh, that we used to be in so the needle has moved as to how much and do we still need something like this i'm not so sure I personally wouldn't be super excited to see it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I still have a hard time timing my meaties, and we're you know almost five years into this. So, uh, but what do you think about a role? I like the idea of it. I mean, we already kind of have like a we have delayed wake up, obviously, and then we have back rolling, right? Or yeah. uh, we have quick get up. I shouldn't say delayed wake up. We have quick get up or not, you know, which gives you some variation. And then we have the you know the the back tech. Um, so this would basically be a forward tech. Forward That's the tech. only way I could see them do you know a forward roll on it. And I, I'm good with it considering how dominant Okazemi and meaty pressure is in Street Fighter V, one more option to deal with it, especially with the characters I play would be wonderful. Uh, and I think it would, you know, it sucks getting hit with like the, like I'm, you know, I have 50 different options and they're all great and you've got to hold them kind of thing. And so, I, I mean, it's, and that's not a, that's, that should be a pretty easy option for Capcom to balance if it's just like a forward roll or another defensive option of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of wrapping this up here, I personally think that given the circumstances, given what we've seen in the past and given what the game could probably use right now, I'm most intrigued by V-Skill Double. 
I'm not exactly sure all of the odds and ends that would have to be figured out for that, but I think that that has the most potential. And if that were announced of all of the things that we've talked about thus far, that would probably turn the most heads. Yeah, that, that would be my vote as well. It's it's the most interesting thing, and um, it, it should be pretty fun. Like, I, I don't see it being too game-breaking. And again, if a certain character, say, like, you know, Akuma's double V skill is just amazing for him, like, just tone down the damage, you know, to tone down, like, the meter gain from what he gets from it, and that offsets it. And there's a, there's a pretty good precedent for that. Mm-hmm. So moving on, I wanted to talk about how the latest CPT event shook up the tiers. And Nephew ended up winning the tournament with Colleen, and... This was a criticism I had of the character before the event, that she hadn't scored enough of the big wins over the years. Well, she just got (laughs) one. Now she's going to Capcom Cup. Uh, This was a huge event to take home. And and she's a character I kind of, like, we all had her in the top ten, I believe. Like, it's just some people had her, like, very clearly in the top five. I'm not willing to go that far. But if you were thinking Colleen hadn't netted enough good results, I think that time is over. Yeah, and she also has turned a lot of pro players, uh, uh, like like she's popped up on their radars to be good enough for them to explore playing her. And and but you're super right, like she hasn't had as many wins, even with people like Momochi playing her. Um, but uh, you know, finally here we are. And nephews won a, uh, I believe he won a CPT event a few years ago too, and in, in the earlier part of the year it was like a winter brawl or something like that. Um, don't quote me on that for sure, CPT, but he's been around and he's been doing stuff and, uh, and it was really cool to see him pull this down. Yeah. It, uh, Colleen has definitely had some, some wins over the years, but it hasn't been as big as this. Like this is a really large win, you know, and some people might be upset it's online and, you know, I'm talking that way, but it's like, Hey, these are the biggest events we have right now. Uh, you know, it's, if you win one, it's a big deal. Yeah. So. Uh, going on to second, we got a, a samurai with Akuma, which is no surprise at all. Uh, the ground finals were actually down to the very, like, very end of it. It really could have went either way, uh, but we've also seen Akuma do very well in season five, so it's not really a surprise for anyone playing Akuma to end up this far. Uh, Shoutouts to samurai, Mikey is a very strong player. Uh, it's not clearly not just Akuma, but Akuma is definitely a v- extremely strong character in this season. Yeah, Mikey's uh, a but, machine you know, the, too. Like he's just he's in yeah. there studying. Like you know, m- even more than just the the squares in the training stage, you know, like he's he's looking at every little detail and figuring everything about, and and so it's really nice to see that kind of work pay off. It's inspiring because you, people don't want to do that, and it's like you know, so much, so little payoff for so much time, and and that's how it feels going in. But then you see people performing like samurai, and you know that it just comes from that elbow grease, paying attention, working. Um, and, and keeping with the routine. And uh, so, like I say, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, definitely. And then we had uh, Strider finish up at third with G. And uh, this makes me think I was maybe overrating this character uh, a bit too much. I think I had him second overall. And then, of course, in our over-averaged uh, rating, ratings, we had him at third. Mm-hmm. And I actually probably drop him to about fifth or sixth now, uh, which is still extremely good. But I do feel that second feels too high for him overall right now. Um, but I mean, it, to, to back up a little bit of why we think G is so good, I mean, obviously Strider got third, but you're also looking at other competitors who had him as a sub, like uh, Commander Jesse, who mainly plays Dalsim, like he busted out a G. It's like, yeah. Um, and then Chris CCH, he had him at 13th, like he had a G. Degadillas at 13th, he had a G. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people have this guy as a pocket character because he has some really good matchups and can really disrupt game plans at a high level. Uh, but one thing that we did see on the other end of the spectrum was that 
I, I don't want to say Strider got downloaded, but there are very clear defenses to, to YOLO G. And I mean, you might, you might play G in a very wild style, but we also know that that's going to lead to very inconsistent results if you do that. And what Strider ended up doing is he had a few moments of YOLO, like you have to have that in your back pocket if you're going to play G at a high level. But he mostly played a very honest and straightforward game. And like when he went to stuff like die, or, uh, the flip kicks, I should say, not dive kicks, flip kicks, I think those got punished 90% of the time that he did them. It was amazing. I have never seen that level of punishment for, for G's flip kicks before from anyone at any point in time. Uh, so I, I'm not saying the character has been downloaded and figured out, but I do think that the character is not as dominant as we initially assumed that he would be at these high levels of play. And, and the results simply are not there for him to be like the second over uh, second overall character for us. If he's like fifth or sixth or somewhere around there, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. I still look at his potential and what's good in this game and think that he has that momentum to still to still be up there in the top three at the very least. But I do think that we have, as, as a community, we have highlighted him. It's been clear that he was underrated, and then he's had this surge. And performances from people like Strider um, have, have in a, you know, like Knuckle Dew using him, and then everybody has a pocket G. Smug's been doing work with him. Um, it's been undeniable that the character is very powerful, and 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 is very powerful in a way that's very efficient in this game, which has made him very alluring for a lot of other people. And that's why I think you're seeing so many people have at least a pocket G to understand the character and to you know, also have him for any matchups where it's just plain easier. Uh, but at the same time, because of that, a lot of people have been training against the character. And while he still has very good stuff, there are absolutely holes that um, are not readily apparent when you're first playing against them but you get enough experience and you're forced with enough people playing them to to really explore them and you're going to find more and more of those kinds of holes and and then be able to exploit them so uh, i think that also contributes to what we're seeing here with him but i still i'll need more evidence before i take him anywhere near out of the top three yeah, uh, I'll go back to the match that Strider had with Pierre Balrog, and I don't think that is a very good match for Balrog at all, but the one time that Balrog gets in, that can be the end of G. You know, and that's really where his big weakness is, is his defense can be suspect. Not always. Again, he gets that one jab in there. Uh, but that's actually another thing that we saw with Strider is that at very high levels of play, he was actually afraid to go to the jab because he kept getting whiff punished. And, and he was like, this is, yeah, it's a great move, but throwing it out there is a big risk for this character because that one time I'm off with it, I could be dead. And a few times he was off with it and he got killed. It was getting, um, it, it was interesting seeing the character break down a little further than I thought he would have been. Again, I, I had him at second overall. I, I've dropped him down several spots off of this performance alone because I think the character got downloaded a bit. You know, like uh, the difference between second and fifth in this game is not gigantic. But yeah. Sure. So moving on, uh, Snake Eyes got fifth with Kage, and he's the main player doing heavy damage with the character. It still feels to me like Kage is a bit underappreciated in this game, but and Snake is the main dude putting in work with them, so it's like, yeah, he's a bit underappreciated, but it's also like when you've got one player playing him that's doing really well and putting in good results, how good is this character actually overall? And again, why not play Akuma, right? Like it just really comes down to a style preference and other things. Um, you know, Snake is doing impressive stuff with them. And I, no one's saying the character is terrible and just you shouldn't play him. It's just like, you know, why play him when Akuma exists is pretty much what it comes down to. But 
again, you know, we're, we're seeing some people, a few people put in a bit of work that aren't getting major results. And then, of course, Snake Eyes is getting results. So I, I think Kage is worth mentioning here. Yeah, he does. He is able to combo into Demon, which at least gives him that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're right. I was actually talking to a friend who's just picked up the game and he's playing Ed right now. And uh, I was playing my Kage against him. And uh, was uh, he was like, yeah, Kage seems pretty cool, uh, but I don't see a lot of people using him. And I go, well, yeah, it's because he's kind of just not as good Akuma for a lot of people. And, I mean, that's that's been a problem for Shoto's since Akuma came out in this game, more or less, and uh, continues to be. So, you know, if you like him, if you like being able to combo into Demon, then maybe he's for you. But otherwise, probably just go Akuma. Yeah. Are you saying Akuma's a problem, John? I don't I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast before. It just, I don't know yeah. if you're allowed to call him a problem. I mean, he's he's where he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed uh, to be the best, and, and he's supposed to be ridiculous. But also, it's like, well, maybe maybe we can have ours a little bit. No? Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Take it, Akuma, yeah. Mr. 1%. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of a character who is really underrated kind of like all the time, it seems like, and that's uh, Dalsum. Um, he continues to be regarded as low to mid-tier uh, by a bunch of people, and yet he gets very nice placements in tournament. Commander Jesse primarily played him and got into top eight. Dankadias was at 13th, and then Akita was at 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're all primarily using Dalsum, and it's our yeah, and it's just it's like man, this character is pretty good. Like, and again, I guess it really does depend on what circles you travel in. You know, maybe you go to the East Coast in the U.S. and like you don't see that many Dalsum players. You see a couple of them, but you come over here on the West Coast and we've got a lot of great ones. And your respect factor for the character goes up a lot. The character is stupid good. Now I don't. I, He's good in a very specific way where I can imagine, especially those like G that can kind of just zip up to you and start putting pressure without worrying too much about stuff, they're going to do really well. Nikali has traditionally done pretty dang well against Dalsim, although I think that the re, uh, the reduction of the input lag is a significant part of that because it was kind of like a jump forward, dash forward mix up and losing two or three frames of, of uh, reaction time or adding them, I should say, uh, is, is significant there. But the character has so much going for him and can operate and can control things from so many different angles. And with someone like a Commander Jesse or an Akita or whoever, it, it puts the time in we've seen how strong he can be he can do so much damage he can put you in these like almost impossible situations and if you haven't done all of the research and understood exactly the nuances of where you can do something or where you have to take a risk in order to even get out of the situations he's just going to eat you alive mm-hmm. um, and now i've i've played akita a lot he's our uh, he's absolutely our strongest player here in arizona right now like there's just no way around it and um but i, I do have a quick story that i will say um as i've been grinding up on PC and playing through uh, the lower ranks, I ran into a Dalsum with 147 wins. And I thought, well, this is probably <laughs> a rage quitter. His name, by the way, was not YHC Mochi or Moki. And I played him and I bopped him the first game. And I was just waiting for the bump. And it never came. I, and, and, and his win streak was smashed. And I was like, that's great. And then he bodied me. And then I ran into him again, uh, like a match or two later, and he bodied me again. But I took that first game, and I snapped that 147 win streak. Well, after that session of playing, I jumped into our Facebook uh, messenger chat where uh, a lot of the Arizona guys just talk about you know Street Fighter Five stuff. And just Akita was in there, and he's like, I'm uh, trying to grind all the way to Diamond on my new PC account without losing. You guys think I can do it? And I was like... 
hey, I just ran into this weird Dalson with a 147 game win streak and I beat him. <laughs> and I was like, D- have you, have, do you know who that is? And it, sure enough, it was 100% him. And so yeah. Akita, you're the best player in Arizona, but you don't have a 148 game win streak. <laughs> oh, we'll get into some personal accomplishments here soon, <laughs> but definitely a big shout out to Akita. So much respect for what he does with the character. And especially, you know, when a lot of people were writing the character off and saying he sucks and, you know, we're going to pick up other names and whatnot. Akita has stayed with the character and grinded out some really impressive tech with them. Uh, so he took a, uh, a game off of Punk in the CPT. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, another issue that we're getting into, Punk may or may not have called for a speed test on Akita, like right mid-match and whatnot, and said, hey, I think this guy's lagging. And uh, But yeah, um, I'll, I'll just mention, though, before we move on to that, that uh, uh, if you're running across like random players in gold, uh, platinum, and other ranks, and they seem way better than their rank, look really closely and see if they're playing on PC. Because there's a good chance that there, there's a lot of people. Uh, no, no, no. There's not a good chance. We know there are a ton of people mm-hmm. migrating over to PC right now. Brian uh, F we, did it. Akita's yeah. doing it. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. there's two off the top of my head. We're doing yeah. it. The the EH boys. <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing it. Like, screw the PlayStation. It's pretty much what it is. But we had a podcast about that. So we're not going to go too heavily into it. Let's talk about some latency issues. Something that's near and dear to everyone's heart. And that's uh, Punk going in here on Myers after they're set. Like, Okay, so Alex Myers and Punk faced off, and there was very clear latency happening in their sets. Like, you could see it on stream. You could see Mm -hmm. it in a bunch of other things. Uh, Myers would actually go on to win the sets, but Punk hopped on Twitter and said some really nasty things, which he later apologized for. Like, he just put down an apology, which I appreciated personally. Um, Punk said that Myers should have dropped out of the tournament because how his connection was performing. It was so bad. Uh, once again, I want to state this very clearly. Punk did apologize for this, but it was a really rough move initially because uh, for the Breaking Bad fans out there, he used a word that Jesse Pinkman loves to say, calling Myers the B word. Uh, that is uh, not cool. Very it was much very not. unprofessional. Extremely. It was a it was a bad look. Then and it's it's different regardless of how it all went down. We can get into that in a second. But regardless of if you know Myers was was you know, trying to make lag happen or, or whatnot. It's like at the end of the day, we're all kind of just doing this because it's what we have. We all understand online is online. We get it. You're a top level competitor, one of the absolute best in the world, and this is everything to you. He's also a pretty young dude, uh, and, and that really showed in his response here. So uh, you can you can still have a reaction to all of this, and it still be uh, you know something of a critique, but it doesn't have to be unprofessional, and it doesn't have to be as distasteful as uh, Punk's was. But learning experience. Yeah. So Myers did respond to Punk, and he thanked him for doing his apology publicly, which he didn't have to do. Uh, He said that he understood what it's like to play under these conditions and how frustrating it can be. But Myers also noted that, hey, like, I still respect you as a player, Punk, and I still have respect for you overall. Like, Myers is a very classy dude. Yeah, Myers is awesome. Like, he's beloved in our community for a lot of reasons, um, despite the fact that he plays Cammy. You know, I mean, that's... (laughs) I don't know how the two things... Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, it's... it's, And and Victor is not a bad guy at all. Like, he, he really has... Had a terrible moment here. Uh, he, there was actually a point where he deactivated his Twitter account after he posted the blowups initially. Um, and anyone who's played online, they, they know how much salt can be generated by playing from you know Street Fighter over the internet, especially when the stakes are this high. And it's like, hey, guess what? You know, you got to get first place, or you're you get nothing from this. You know, you get the 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 you know the 
the what is it the gravitas or whatever and stuff from doing it but that's about it yeah, big anyway, old thumbs up yeah good old thumbs up so anyway one of the things we, we've highlighted here on the site is that mashing inputs can definitely cause latency issues and that's something that punk tried to really highlight that he felt like myers was doing uh, i think it's a pretty questionable to to try to read into someone's intent on this stuff um, but i can say that if capcom needs a clear direction on things that need to be fixed this is definitely one of them we have highlighted this in multiple stories and talked about it on the podcast several times this is nothing new this is like a very much hey if you mash inputs you're going to cause latency to happen in some cases not all cases but some cases and it is a a known problem and a documented problem and and when people say fix the net code a lot of times I thinking they're just kind of talking out of their butts in terms of like, oh, yeah, just make the netcode better. You know, like forget about like, make the, fact the I'm playing thing on, better. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing on PlayStation. I'm playing on Wi-Fi. I have all this other kind of issues and stuff going on. I, I, they have not taken responsibility for their own setup. Uh, this is one one thing where it's a clear shining problem that Capcom can go in there and fix. I don't know how difficult it is to fix, but it is a documented, well-known problem that should be fixed. And so if you're saying, hey, get this, and honestly, it looked like that particular issue was a big factor for, for Punk and Myers' um, sets. I'm not saying Myers did it intentionally, but you know, you're know you gonna tech and you're gonna mash the tech when you get up you know, and get knocked down in Street Fighter V, that's what you do. You know, and it's anyone who's played the game at pretty much any level, they know that if you don't mash the input sometimes, you're not going to get it and you're going to be in a situation you do not want to be in. And so that's creating all this kind of artificial latency that does not need to be happening in Street Fighter V sets um, just because Capcom cannot fix the issue or, or didn't know enough to fix the issue. That is a problem. And, and that is something I am 100% you know, happy to point out and just say, hey, look, damn it, Capcom, fix this issue. It needs to be fixed. Now let me ask you this: If Myers was doing it on purpose, do you fault him? Yes, um, but I don't think it was on purpose. It, it's it, you could read into it that way, but I, I, it's totally unfair to me to read and judge someone's intent based on button inputs in game. Because I went and looked at my own, you know, uh, uh, inputs in tournament, and I was like, I was doing similar things without even realizing. Like, you're kind of mashing out like frustration when you get knocked down sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. I do think that it is, um, I should preface this because it's it's pretty complicated and it's a little sensitive, right? Because you're talking about the integrity of people uh, playing in tournament. Now, this is a different setting where lag is a factor, right? It's online. So we're all already at that point where we're like, okay, it's online, it's different. Uh, there's gonna be more chaos than we are traditionally, um, you know, than we traditionally allow to be a part of our competitive sets, but it is what it is. And we also know that mashing on these buttons will almost always cause some latency for your opponent, or it can, depending on how strong your connection is. And you're trying to get into Capcom Cup. This immediately becomes a resource for you, which there is no technical rule against. I mean, this is right. not lag switching. It's in the same realm. It causes similar effects, but it's not lag switching. And I got to imagine that, uh, I mean, and there's also really not a, a real way to police it. So... Given the circumstances, given the situation, yes, morally you can argue that it's wrong, but at what point do you go, this is 100% going to be something that I have to factor into my gameplay if I'm going to be playing 
online tournaments with a lot on the line, you're not going to, I mean, you can tell people that it's wrong to, to, you know, do this, but at the end of the day, you know, they're going to do it. And Mm -hmm. there's no official rule or the way we can see to police it. This has to be something that you're ready for, or it's on you or, or, and, and I don't even ready for it. It's like, how do you, how are you ready for it? Like, I mean, drop the combo on purpose and let them mash a DP, something like that. Sure. But it's just like, this really kind of is part of the game. And that's unfortunate, but here it is. That's this from what we have in front of us with online play. It's part of the game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's part of the game, but it's just part of the game that sucks. And yeah. I think that you just have to roll with that. Uh, and there's plenty of other things that suck in fighting games. We, we've talked about V-Trigger activations being super brainless. We just got done talking about literally a move that we renamed to brainless, you know, because of how bad it was. I mean, that was a problem for, what, a year or something like that? Maybe six months? I don't remember the exact timeline, but it really sucked dealing with it. And that's the nature of any competitive game. You're going to have some stuff that you don't like to see. If you play in the NBA, you're going to hate the referees that, that do this stuff. Because <laughs> if you're not LeBron James, like, like, well, you're probably not getting the same benefits that he is. You know, it's just that's the nature of, of things. And, yeah, uh, it's it sucks, but it's also, you know, hopefully we can kind of scream loud enough and well enough to get Capcom to fix it. I think it's already, like I've said before, something that's being attended to. And hopefully this is one of the things that gets fixed as, uh, you know, as we make progress in the in the realm, in the realm of netcode and such. But as it stands now, man, I mean, I, I'd like to say I'm not I'm going to do that kind of a thing, but you put me in those situations and there's no way to police it and I want to win. It's like I, I know that there's a very real part of me that goes, I'm going to do whatever I can to win. Uh, I mean, outside of, of like legitimately cheating. But when we're looking at this, man, like, I again, I'd like to say I wouldn't do it. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's a big part of us that and, and you know, I'm not I'm not convinced that Myers wasn't doing it. I'm not sure. But uh, I also there's a part of me that's like, yeah, that's that's that at where we're at right now is absolutely one of the things you can do. Uh, you can you know, you can use your timeouts to mess with the kicker. You can you know, in our political sphere, there's a whole bunch of little things that you can do to uh, to mess with the other team that is t- technically not part of the rules. Uh, and I think this kind of falls into those categories. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I just want to remind the listeners that John plays Nicali and do I? <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes. But well, actually, let's get into that now. Um, let's talk about our experiences playing in tournament. So. Uh, <laughs> I got top 64 uh, during one of the bigger CPT events of 2020. Congrats. This was a fairly, yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is a fairly stacked event, and I played well. But here's the real thing I want to say with this. If you're listening to, to this right now, you can do the same thing that I just did or better. People might think it takes like special skills or something to do this stuff, and all it takes is your time, effort, and dedication. Again, if you want to do this, you can and if you don't and you just enjoy playing these games um, without having like, you know, a hardcore approach to them and stuff, that's 100% okay too. But like if you feel like there's some reason you can't do this or I have some kind of like weird special skill set or whatever our, our punk does or Myers does or anyone like that, that's not true. These guys, uh, the women as well and, and non-binary types and all, all those in between now uh, to, to cover bases here in 2020 properly, they – they just put in the time. They're smart about it. They do the proper things. Uh, and, and again, all, all I've been able to do recently is put in more time into the game, which I've been really happy to be able to do, especially with all the improvements that have happened. And if this is a goal of yours, whatever your goals are, you can 100% do them. 
And, and so, yes, I was thrilled to get top 64. Uh, it was a nice moment in time. I shared it with my family and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was also like, yeah, I, I also um, I, I did tell a quick story here. Um, I, the day before the tournament or like a couple days before the tournament, uh, I ran into Nephew, Snake Eyes and Dr. Danny Pham. And I actually beat them all like back to back pretty much. Uh, and I was stoked about this. I actually told the guys like it was the best run I'd had in a while. And then uh, the next day I go into ranked and I, I'm thinking that, man, I'm on a roll. I'm going to be doing awesome. I run across an ed player because, of course, it's an ed player. And the person just freaking flat out pieces me out. I go 0 and 2. I get destroyed in my first matchup. I, I couldn't handle jumps. All of a sudden I can't anti-air properly. All of a sudden all this stuff is falling apart. I'm like, oh, the irony of that was hilarious to me. And it's that's an... Yeah. It's the Street Fighter Five. Remember what Knuckledew said after he won Capcom yes. Cup? Like within a month, he goes back. He's like, I just won Capcom Cup. I'm thinking I'm hot stuff. I go online and I get, you know, beaten by a by a platinum guile. And and it's just like it's you get humbled so quickly with this game. All the momentum in the world apparently doesn't mean anything. I I don't know. I haven't I haven't mastered it. I don't understand the process, which is why I'm still stuck in it. But uh, yeah, you you went through the Street Fighter Five. Exactly. Well, it, and that's all fighting games, man. I don't care how good you are. It's You can look at Sonic Fox, you can look at Daigo. They don't have 100% win records. They are losing matches too. They're just losing a lot less of them. They found a way to be more consistent, which is phenomenal. That's awesome. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm trying to find ways to be more consistent as well, right? That's uh, the whole point of it. Um, but the irony here is not lost on me. It's hilarious that it's a nature competitive gaming. You can have a great run and then you get your butt kicked like a moment later and you're like, oh crap, I, I need to rethink my entire life now. What have, <laughs> what have I done? I lost to the head player. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, you know? And that's, yeah, that's, that's how it rolls. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll briefly give my uh, tournament recap. I, I had a bye and then I won my first match against a, uh, against a Karen player. And then my second match was against Dr. Danny Pham, uh, who you beat. And this, uh, and he plays Zangief, for those that don't know, one of the stronger Zangiefs, I think, uh, at least in America. And, and I mean, there aren't a ton across the globe, but there are a handful. Um, and he's known as not the easiest character to play. Um, so, you know, hats off to Zangief players that have stuck with him and made it work. But uh, our first match, I was very much taking it at a slow pace and beating him. Like, I was just ready for everything. Um, and I won the first round, ended up losing the second... Or, <laughs> In the second round, he ended up whiffing a command grab, and I only needed uh, a little bit of a combo left, and I walked up to do the punish and then just didn't finish the punish. And uh, we'll blame online for that one. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely online. Uh, and then he ended up winning that round, and then uh, I was shook after that. I tried, but I, I, I couldn't bring it back from there. So it was a little bit of a heartbreaker there. And then uh, I won a few more games after that and then lost to Dr. African's very patient bison. Um, so it, I mean, it was fun. I think I got one place behind you. So one place behind top 64. Uh, so anyone can do it except for me. But yeah. <laughs> No, it's um, I, I, and, and I, I think overall and you probably enjoyed yourself. Like, I mean, you probably had an enjoyable time in tournament, probably more than you expected to with an online event. Right. Well, it's been much more enjoyable and much easier than any online event that I participated in thus far. I can tell you that for sure. And yes, it was an enjoyable experience. Would will do again. I actually am signed up for tonight's Wednesday night fights, which are extended over to Arizona and which are being exclusively played on PC tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's for for our listeners, you know, uh, and, and readers and stuff. I, I recommend this to everyone, even if you're like gold, silver or bronze rank or whatever you happen to be. Try to participate in a tournament at some point. 
and it's only a handful of hours and uh, then you get to say hey i played in a tournament like i you know you can tell your friends and all that kind of stuff like even if you go zero and two it's still a worthwhile experience because you're gaining knowledge you're, you're gaining the what uh, what playing in a tournament is like you're getting that it, it's like you know what what is it uh, everyone's got to plan until they get punched you know yep. kind of thing like a tournament will punch you in ways that you do not expect it to but then you also see like ways you can improve you see how valid your training methods are you see a lot of things um and for online tournaments it costs you nothing you know it's, it's a few hours of your time to enter and and just getting that it like don't worry about going 0-2. A lot of people go 0-2. Are they get a single win or whatever? That's not a problem. It's really about the journey. It's about getting better. Again, uh, I, I I had a good run. The Ed player pieced me out. Like he, I'm sure, like I, if the Ed player would have teabagged me, I would have deserved it at that point in time. Like, <laughs> that's how bad I was feeling. Like, but that happens. That's also part of like getting better. Like you you get your butt knocked down a few times. It's like that's okay. Like it's getting back up. It's trying again. So if you've ever you know, doubted yourself about entering a tournament or like, you know, I'm just not good enough or whatever. Just go do it to have fun with it. Just enjoy the experience. And again, uh, if I didn't do well in the tournament, you know what the first thing I would have been like when I came back online, if I went 0-2, I'd have been Online's like- Online's fault. Online's <laughs> fault, definitely. You got the best option select on the planet. You could be like, the latency was terrible and all this other kind of stuff. I have my option selects My dog's car time. alarm was going off. <laughs> exactly. and it's, it's, it's a barking noise. Yeah, and, uh, it, no one can say anything. Like, oh, that's the ultimate excuse. You can always fall back on it. So, um, but anyway, it's- well, it, I, yeah. One thing I wanted to, to piggyback on there and something that I've been exploring specifically in my gameplay as well as to be able to discuss and write about is the amount of control that you have. And we'll talk about this in a future podcast episode because I'm kind of uh, still brewing this up in, in my in my head as to how I want to approach it. But I can say that a big part of what shows how much control you have is when the fight or flight anxiety levels go up in the middle of a match and you have to perform under that new pressure. And going into tournaments is one of the mile marker benchmark jumps into a new kind of pressure. So exposing yourself to that kind of an atmosphere and trying to perform the way you normally would perform, uh, which is something that you work on for forever, <laughs> especially yep. if you haven't done it consistently. I haven't been in a tournament for a while and I can guarantee you that that was a big part of why I wasn't getting the punishes that I that I wanted. There were a handful of, of other instances in my CPT performance uh, over the weekend where it was just me not having basic stuff that I normally do have. And some of that has to be because of, of nerves that I haven't worked out. My point is going and playing and putting yourself in and in, in training in that environment is very good. It helps thicken that particular skin and it gets you um, less, it gives you less of a tendency to break or to get tilted in those high stress scenarios. So, uh, you know, you want to train in the conditions that you're going to be playing in. You want to train in, uh, you know, greater, higher gravity conditions than you're normally playing in so that you can do better. And this is one of the ways that you can kind of uh, stretch and flex those muscles and get them in shape. It's like Rocky running through the snow in Rocky Four, man, in Russia. He went over to Russia to train, and he got good, and, and he beat the you know the, the competitor. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the competitor uh, in Rocky yeah. Four. We don't know who it is, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it. Anyway, um, but... Uh, um, We're just not spoiling it, that. Yeah, just there you go. That's exactly it. it. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll just remind everyone that everyone has nerves. Uh, Daigo, Fudo, when they were playing in grand finals, you you started to see those, those nerves kick in for both competitors. And they're starting to drop stuff they don't normally drop and 
I'll just say this because it, it pains me to say it though, and we've talked about it before, but you can see a big time mental guard break where Fudo drops like a, a confirm or a punish or something like that. And then like that next round and a half is when he gets pieced out of the tournament. And you can see him just start to do all these ill-advised like jumps and all these other, other things. And I mean, Fudo's one of the best players on the, pl the planet. He's incredible. His tier lists are questionable, but he's a great player. And uh, if the nerves hit those guys, they hit everyone is what I'm saying. So learning how to deal with them and just playing up to the best capabilities you can, it's a huge skill to have. And again, it, that's where you practice it. As you say, you, you go and run in the snow in Russia. So, <laughs> Which is also uh, why moment 37 is so ridiculous. Because yeah. not only does it happen, but then, it, it, I mean, it's a process. It's not just like one interaction, like a really good frame trapper, a really smart DP. It's execution played out over this time where like an entire, well, early Evo's worth of a crowd is behind you losing their minds exponentially with every parry that you successfully do in that string. And he was able to, to stick with it through the whole thing. And I can only imagine how, uh, like I say, exponential the amount of potential stress and anxiety in that scenario would have been. But that's why it's the most legendary moment in fighting games thus far. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, speaking of legendary... Let's talk about Master Roshi being added to Dragon Ball Fighters. Like, <laughs> hit me with it, John. I, this is a, a very iconic character. What was your reaction when you saw him? Roshi was one of the now kind of expected DLC characters for fighters at this point because you got a whole bunch of others that, you know, a lot of the boxes are checked. It's like, where do we go now? We want to look a little bit outside of the box. And when I watched Dragon Ball Z, well, it was during Dragon Ball Z, Master Roshi was very prominent, but as very much a side character. He was just kind of one of those background, offers advice, kind of does pervy stuff, you know, with the, the female characters as he's sort of known for as well. But he was never like a fighter. He might offer some advice and that was it. But in Dragon Ball, he was a big deal in terms of fighting and, and training both Goku and Krillin. And then in Dragon Ball Super, they brought him back and made him extremely buff and was able to actually take on you know, characters like Frieza and, and, and such, which was really cool because he's you know, the old man turtle hermit that you know has potential because he's trained some of the best of the best, but you don't actually get to see him flesh that out. And now we're going to be able to see that um, here in Dragon Ball Fighters, and the reason I kind of give that backstory a little bit is because they're doing, as far as we can see thus far, a really good job of incorporating those parts of the character. Again, uh, you know, if you would ask me a few years ago before he kind of popped up and, and did his thing in Super, as someone who watched Dragon Ball Z, I'd be like, Master Roshi's not even really a character that you would consider for something like this. Like, yeah, he's theoretically is able to fight but that was a long time ago when power levels were <laughs> much different but mm -hmm. of course you know in, in dragon ball like that, that franchise they they can find ways to make you know characters that weren't relevant relevant again and, and and all that kind of stuff they'll finagle things um one of the interesting things about master roshi is he uh i don't believe he ever learned how to fly which is actually a super simple concept in the world of of um dragon ball because he's just a i, th I guess it's just a matter of understanding your energy which obviously Roshi does because he can shoot beams out of his hands and then kind of putting it behind you and just using it to propel yourself but for whatever reason Roshi never really learned to fly and um, one of the ways that they incorporated 
that idea or that sort of limitation into his gameplay is that he doesn't have a uh, like a super dash like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, and but and, but he has stuff to to come in and replace it. Like he has a super jump, and he can also do uh, I guess they're calling the backwards kamehameha, where he shoots a kamehameha the other direction, and it's actually used to propel him forward. And I believe he has a hit. Uh, like he can hit you with him himself as he's doing that with his momentum, um, but it's cool. It's like so it 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 is Master Roshi, and like there are those kind of limitations incorporated into the character as he's fighting with the likes of Super Saiyan three Goku and whatnot, right? And so um, it, it it's nice because they're maintaining the character as they have done. Like they're really good about keeping up with the references and uh, of course like the dramatic finishes you get those interactions between characters and they they're really careful Bandai Namco and the creators of fighters are really careful to pick and choose the little things that make the characters the characters and incorporate them at least to some capacity into their design in this game which really adds to the charm of it all we haven't seen a ton of his moves yet but in his release trailer he did what looks like his evil containment wave uh, which is a fairly interesting attack. It, it's kind of like the Ghostbusters where it traps uh, an opponent and then it moves them down into a small uh, containment space, usually like a little jar. I think it's a jar in um, in this one. He used, uh, I think, a rice cooker in one of the uh, early instances where he used this attack. Now, it's actually, when it was first kind of brought up, it was something that was so powerful that it would kill usually the person that was doing it, but you would also entrap the other person or the other being into whatever it is you were... Uh, tossing him into the way it seems to work in fighters though is if he hits you with it your character gets stuck and another character has to come in sort of like a snapback uh, but i'm not so sure that you can get out of it i don't know exactly how the mechanic works beyond that it might be sort of just an instant death for a character which would be really cool and really interesting especially here now that we're in the third season of the game and we want to see stuff get kind of mixed up and, and shaken up a little bit a mechanic like that would be really interesting Um, So that's one of the first things that that pops out to me. Um, And yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up about him, which is kind of interesting, is uh, that he's known as a turtle hermit, right? And he has a turtle shell that he usually wears on his back. He uh, lives at the Kame house, right? And um, I believe Kame is... uh, there's there's like a, a kanji on Goku's shirt or, or his uh, his gi um, at least early on in the series, and it, it's the Kame kanji, and that actually means turtle. Uh, and, and he also Master Roshi also has a turtle friend um, that he hangs out with, and um, so very much that theme of the old turtle hermit. And we were also recently talking about, and I did a story about. Oro, who's mm-hmm. on route to Street Fighter V in a year, uh, but he's got this whole turtle thing, which has been part of his kind of character design for a while, but maybe a little bit more background. Now we just know that there's some kind of a mechanic with him where he has to balance this turtle uh, while he fights, and we don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but he too is something of a turtle hermit, and there's a little overlap you can see with these old wise masters. Um, and I think that there is a little bit of a of a thread that runs through maybe like Japanese culture with the old turtle hermit master sort of a thing. But uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting that we were getting Master Roshi and uh, and announcements for for Oro at the same time, and they both play off of this interesting turtley kind of yeah. theme. 
It's funny. It's almost like we know Capcom bases a lot of their characters off of, you know, iconic uh, manga and uh, anime characters and stuff. So it's it's, you know, there's probably a very clear influence on that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, but Master Roshi will be releasing at some point next month, uh, you know, in September. Uh, But one thing that's actually not going to be releasing is rollback code for Dragon Ball (laughs) Fighters. This was total crap. That rollback code is not being added to the game. It's hard. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it's it, this should have been in the game from the get-go uh we already know that for bandai namco dragon ball z is their top money maker and yes that runs across a bunch of different mediums and other things like i get that it's not just you know dragon ball fighters is making them you know billions of dollars or something like that but all oh, right it's like their figurines and their merchandise and yeah, such. yeah yeah they run a lot of stuff but it's still their top property and once again it's online play being de-emphasized in our community by the developers and you know the players in there as well i i know that some players are making a big stink about this but it's like <laughs> street fighter 5 has rollback code we're complaining about the rollback code not even being good enough dragon ball fighters players don't even have rollback code they it, it, neither do you know to most degrees tekken players like it's somewhat there it's somewhat not there's there's little bits of rollback code probably in most games but overall is the rollback engine properly implemented and yeah you just said it like during the broadcast uh, Hiroki said it's technically difficult to implement well duh has <laughs> anyone ever said rollback code is super easy to implement properly no one has it's disappointing that the developers continue not to give online play the priority that it deserves and again if the developers aren't going to put priorities on net play and cross play they're going to lose my support and the support of others. This is something a lot of people fully and reasonably expect to have here in 2020. I really enjoy Dragon Ball Fighters as a game. It, I think it's a lot of fun. I just don't want to play it on the PlayStation 4, and I definitely don't want to play it online without rollback code. The game is considered to have among the worst online experiences in modern day fighting games. And it's a shame that the, the, the devs did not prioritize online play enough from the get-go or even now just to freaking add it into the game. Like, put in the damn working and give it. Like, give it to us. Yeah. The, the community gives Capcom so much crap. But the thing is, they've been doing rollback code in their main releases since 2012. Eight years, eight years they've been doing this crap. <laughs> it's like, dude, there's there's no excuse. Like, and people go, well, you know, like the the, the code in, in Street Fighter Five is not that great. Blah blah blah. It's like, no, no, no. What you don't understand is a big part of this is the wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain, and people are way more plugged into what Capcom is doing or not doing with their online play than most other games in the fighting game community. There are yeah. other titles that get considerably less flack for more egregious errors than what Capcom does, and hence what we're going through right now. It's not too surprising, but again, it's that wind blowing very hard at the top of the mountain. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I've got to say, and, and I'm not speaking as an expert, but I am speaking as someone who's very plugged into this stuff and has legitimate reactions to it, we'll say, um, on, the, on like a day-to-day basis. And what I can say is that it has felt traditionally like uh, I'm just waiting for technology to catch up and I shouldn't really have expectations because I didn't know any better. But through instances like getting this PC that I've got and then also talking to people that know more about this than I do and hearing that you know there are these ways and these like these settings or this, this like kind of red tape that seems to be put in front of you're um, put down like by developers even uh, where it's just like you know in this instance oh we don't really want to do it because it's hard 
but that really appears to be the only reason why you can't because other people are doing it. And it's like, of course it's hard, but it's 2020 and expectations are as such that you really need to, like this is this is very quickly becoming a non-negotiable. And it's interesting that um, that Hiroki was even able to say this and people were just like not going to just absolutely turn away from the game. We're not that far down to it yet, but I think we're getting to a place where if, you know, maybe a year or two down from now, you say something like what was said here is it's like, oh, it's just, it's too hard to do rollback code and we're like okay well we're like that's not even a game anymore you know ggs so uh my my takeaway now is that i think the technology is maybe not here completely but it's much more so than i had thought it was which means the excuses are uh, a lot fewer than i thought they were so a lot of this does come down to you need to do it. Now, I understand that those that offer products are going to more dance to what the consumers are demanding of them. So I think we're just right to respectfully continue to demand that this is where the standard be. And I think everyone's going to catch up. Yeah, it, we we just need to, to make this a, as you say, non-negotiable going forward, where if you're going to launch a game in the fighting game community that you expect to be played uh, competitively, you better have your rollback code in there. And uh, it's disappointing to me to see that it took the fighting game community this long to get here. A lot of other communities have had like better, way better net code than what we have even right now in the best of products. Uh, and they've had it, you know, a decade or more, you know, uh, it, it's it's baffling and very disappointing to me. But again, I am also very happy to finally see that the fighting game community pick up the torch and say, hey, look, you're going to give us better, you know, rollback code or, or better uh, code in general. And, and this is what it needs to be. And then I will shout out someone like Harada. I, I understand it's a little bit of a hypocritical there with, you know, the status of Tekken 7. But he's also said, hey, let's share this information back and forth between all of our developers and use it to level everyone up so that all of our games are having as good of an experience as we can program into them. And I think that really is the right approach with something like Netcode, like opening it up as much as possible. I know there's going to be a bunch of companies who don't want to do that. And, you know, they're, they're going to be like, hey, we've spent, you know, a lot of time making this code. And now you want to come in and just take it from us. It's like, no, you're, you know, we're going to license it. Or are you going to pay for it or something like that? I get all that stuff. But Ultimately, again, we, we want the fighting game community to succeed. We want it to be better. And rollback code is not universally said to be the way to do that. But for many people, if you want to play online, it's almost the majority of people I talk to now realize it is a vastly better experience. Um, and not in all cases, but in many cases. So, um, yeah. But yeah. I am optimistic with where we're at right now in the fighting game community. It seems like this dam is very much breaking uh, as it pertains to the upgraded online experience and new standards for it. We're, um, we're very clearly making progress in, in, in the avenues where progress is going to be the most significant. These last bastions are falling down. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for what's going to come in the near future. And, um, you know, we're kind of still kind of going through the growing pains, but we're already seeing the, the potential and the progress begin. Yep. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. Adios.